Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Ooh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller? I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. everybody, welcome to Movie Crush. This is Chuck Bryant here at the home studio, Atlanta, Georgia, Pont City Market. And today, uh, I've got Dave Willis in the studio. And Dave is my first uh, first local Atlanta guest. Uh, you might know Dave's work. Well, I hope you know Dave's work because it's pretty great. He got his start uh, many years ago at the, at the Cartoon Network. Uh, I think maybe the first thing he worked on was Space Ghost, Coast to Coast. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he is also the creator of Squidbillies and Aqua Teen Hunger Force and was the voice of Meatwad. So Dave has uh, made his name in, in that world for the most part and is also the uh, director and creator and writer of Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell. Uh, TV series is very funny. Dave is the best. He's, a, like I said, local Atlanta and we're about the same age. So we sort of grew up in the same, uh, although a different suburb, um, sort of in the same world in many ways. So I was excited to get Dave in here. We've known each other for a few years. I think the first time I met Dave, we had a, a trivia night here in Atlanta and just hit him up as a as a celebrity guest. And he was kind enough to come. And since then, we've uh, become pals. And uh, Dave was here to talk about Bottle Rocket, one of my favorite movies. So I was really excited to get him in here. And we had a great conversation and uh, for those of you who have not seen Bottle Rocket, it is the first movie from Wes Anderson. 
uh, co-written by Owen Wilson and Wes Anderson, and the first the movie debut of Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson, uh, and also Andrew Wilson, um, also starring James Caan, uh, among uh, some other Wes Anderson staple character actors that you've seen in his movies. And it is the story of uh, two friends, really three friends, but mainly uh, two friends, Dignan and Anthony. They're sort of man-children. The movie opens with Anthony getting out of a mental hospital and Dignan has big plans for them to pull off some heists. And so it's it's a bit of a heist movie, a bit of a crime movie, but only in the way that Wes Anderson can do a uh, crime movie. Uh, very funny. Um, you could see the seeds of what was to come from Wes Anderson. But this movie stands on its own to me, uh, one of my all-time faves. So here we go with the great Dave Willis and Bottle Rocket. So you grew up in Conyers and went to – I grew up in – well, it had a Stone Mountain address, but it was sort of – Did you go to Redan or – Yeah, I went to Redan, but I was right on that Lithonia redan border. So I was more kind of toward Conyers. But yeah, sort of east. Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of east out there. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was out – we went to Heritage High School. Right. So class of 88, go yeah, Pats. I was 89. So what yeah. was your hang like – how did movies figure in to your early life? What was your, what was your theater? Uh, it would be originally it was the Salem Gate, uh, which then became one of those sort of weird churches. That mall is still oh, in just yeah. complete disrepair. But uh, but yeah, after after a while, it was right across from the Putt Putt. Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, I mean between those two places. And then next to Duval's skating rink, so I mean, oh wow, that was you're talking about a real power corner there. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, Salem Salem Gate became one of those sort of uh, Pentecostal churches uh-huh. when we got the uh, Cinema Eight. Uh-huh. And um, I guess I was about a. I still remember, um, uh, the opening weekend. I think I saw all those movies. The opening weekend of that theater that was an exciting. Uh, Octopussy. Oh yeah. Um, there was some Peter Strauss movie that was 3D with Molly Ringwald, Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. Oh man, I don't know that one. Uh, it's it, it's got a dumb title at the head. I want to say Ghost Hunter or Mind Hunter or uh-huh. something. But Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. Yeah. There was a there's a Superman sequel. Might have been the Richard Pryor one. War Games. No? No. Red Dawn? Uh, I mean, I definitely saw both of those in the theater, but I don't think either one of those were out that weekend. Right. But yeah, I so I ended up eventually working at Turtles uh, Turtles Records and Tapes, which was right next to the theater. Man. And my good friend uh, from high school, David Jackson, worked at the theater. Uh-huh. Jim Fortier, who I now make uh, Squidbillies with, worked there. We uh, At Turtles? No, the he worked at uh he worked at the theater as yeah. well. Um bunch of guys I knew worked there, so then when they would shut down for the night, we would go and uh occasionally play laser tag in the uh-huh. theaters. Oh nice. Which was great until we discovered that one of the kids put a contact lens in his laser gun and uh that's how it sprayed his laser. Oh, really? So we were like, he is an uncanny shot. Wow. <laughs> And he, That's a cool I'm not, trick. I'm not going to drop his name. I'm not going to give him credit here <laughs> because he's, he, I remember him as a very competitive person. And uh-huh. the fact that he would do that just still to this day kind of, 
kind of infuriates me. <laughs> yeah, and that was pre like dis- disposable contact. So he uh, actually sacrificed the lens. Well, his parents <laughs> had some money, so you know, I'm sure he could have probably uh, talked his way into some more lenses. But that's funny, man. You can't like just mentioning Turtles records and tapes sends a flood of uh, nostalgia over oh, my body. I know. I I loved. Such I was equally story. passionate about music, and yeah, when I got that job, I just thought I had, yeah, that that was like my dream gig. Oh, yeah. And it was like right around Bon Jovi's, like, huge, I just remember, you remember those dumb displays where you get all the, the posters and flats uh-huh. and try to curl them in different ways, and the record company would, oh, would yeah. give you, like, an extra... They give you like a free DVD for uh-huh. like whoever wins the contest <laughs> for the most inventive way to curl your flats. Yeah, and that we had a whole wall of uh, slippery when wet uh-huh. during the holidays. Uh, bon Jovi's uh, like that's their big album, and sure. I just remember in my mind becoming a music and aficionado and and reading and thinking people come to the record store knowing. Not knowing what they want, and they might want my guidance. They right. might want me to turn them on to something new. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I'd meet them at the front, and and they and I could see on the look on their face, you know, I just go slippery wind wets over there. Right? <laughs> you know, there's a whole wall of it. I was like, "Can I interest you in the new Jason and the Scorchers? Where's the Where's yeah. that Bon Jovi thing? <laughs> what won't a dead or alive?" Um. Double stamp Wednesdays. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's, that was the big thing. That's true. That's when people used to have to camp out for concerts. Yeah, I totally. It, mine was at um, the Redan Road one, and uh, I would, jeez, man, I camped out for so many shows. Yeah, well, I used to. I would work it, so it'd be an early morning, you know, and you'd pull tickets. Uh huh. I remember just clearing the whole crowd for the first two shows of REM at the Fox and then they announce a third show like right when I sold the last ticket yeah. so it was like uh-huh. it was all mine yeah and I got in the orchestra pit it was great that's still to me the most fair way tickets have ever been sold was and that was even pre pre lottery like for a while there it was just if you showed up you got your place in line and you if you wanted to come two days early that was your deal mm-hmm. but then later on you could show up and then have to draw the lottery number, and that's when it just started kind of becoming more and more unfair. The story, I'm I'm not, I'm not 100 percent on it, and I'm not going to drop the name on it um, <laughs> either. But um, there were some guys in our uh, that we went to school with that were a little sketchy, and there was one guy who used to put like bleach in his uh, uh, windshield washer and turned him outside, and then he just pull up to people, and spray their cars. <laughs> Or their person, uh-huh. and, <laughs> and those guys would flip tickets and and sell blow pops at school for a markup and stuff right. like that. Yeah, but I they, know those dudes. They had a they there was a I can't remember what show it was, but it was one of those campout deals. And right before the the doors open, they pushed a flaming uh, grocery cart full of uh, creative loafs <laughs> on fire. <laughs> Into the crowd, the crowd wow. scattered just enough where one of their uh, proxies uh-huh. could slip in. Holy cow! Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. I was not there, but uh-huh. I heard. I've heard the story from numerous people. That so, sounds like yes. something out of a, a Richard Linklater movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good move, though. Yeah, well, I risky certainly. Yeah, some some police could potentially get involved but it paid right. off for them right because they how'd got... you get eighth row to white snake <laughs> at the omni yeah 
That's pretty funny. I used to usher shows too, which is amazing now that I look back that they would let a 15 year old and I looked like I was 12 um, usher shows at the Omni and the Fox. Wow. I would just show up with That's my a smart move. It was great. I saw, I saw so many shows that way. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I didn't. I didn't. It was not. Yeah, I was not turned on to that. That's all. That's a, well. You know, you have a friend that's like, oh, dude, this is the ticket. Yeah, you show up with your black tie and a flashlight, and you can usher, and it was basically that easy. Wow, there was no application or it wasn't a job. You would just show up with a friend who had recommended you, and they're like, all right, you're section three twelve. That's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah, it was pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, so back to the movies. Um, you Salem Gate was your your jam. Initially, that was the only option, and then, um, then that uh, I want to call it Carmike, but it was uh-huh. that uh, that uh, eight. We got an eight movie theater right set up, and uh, yeah, and that was that was my early uh, that was my early movie going experience, pretty much there. Yeah, I was I was mainly around Memorial Drive or uh, Northlake Mall. Yeah, Memorial Drive. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Northlake had the not the Dollar Theater, which was a big part of my growing right up. right. Uh, there was a, there was a drive, there was a drive through at my mom's, uh, with the town my mom grew up in, uh, in, uh, West Texas, uh-huh. which it bums me out that my kids, uh, my kids have, I've gotten to, you know, we go to the drive through occasionally on Moreland, but, yeah. uh, those were always very, very memorable. Yeah. I think my first, um, I know one of my earliest movie memories was seeing a double feature of uh blazing saddles and i was too it was basically like take the kids along they didn't take me to see blazing saddles when i was five right but i remember seeing the horse get punched out and kind of falling asleep and it was a double feature with something else Mm -hmm. but um yeah those were when you tune it in on the radio that's the way to do it when you when you've got actually they had the speaker back then yeah when you well when you've got a kid you know we we still go to the one occasionally on moreland but Uh when, when our kids were we're very young, you know. That's how we saw the Dark Knight, or at least the first seventeen minutes of it, <laughs> until Max just flipped out. Right, and then we're like, "All right, maybe time to call it a night." Remember when they used to make movies for adults, like just regular movies? And I know everyone kind of complains these days about all the, the reboots and remakes and mm-hmm. the, the comic book movies, but it really has eaten up so much of the content. That there aren't those movies like The Verdict or Heaven Can Wait or uh, The China Syndrome, you know, just they used to make just regular, a lot of more dramas. Uh, I guess Heaven Can Wait's more of a comedy, but you know, I, I actually just watched The Verdict uh, uh, less than a year ago. Yeah, me too. You know, it's just such a good movie. Yeah, it is a great movie. It looks great. We were doing um, the show I make Your Pretty Faces Going to Hell. Uh-huh. Um, we were doing a courtroom drama and I was just sort of stocking up on classic courtroom right. dramas. I just That's wanted to one. Just, just rip off some cool angles. There's uh-huh. this, there's one whole like two minute long take that is a super wide shot. Just a super wide. I mean, Paul Newman's an ant in this shot. Yeah. I think. Uh, I and I was just like, that's so um, interesting, uh-huh. you know, that they would choose to do it that way back in the days of film where you're, you know, you're making those choices on the set, you're not just running like three cameras and right. just getting coverage for an yeah. editor to piece together. Uh, it was such an interesting uh, choice. Uh-huh. So I did do one massively wide, long take of of the scene just to sort of see 
How'd it play? Would it work? Uh, I'm editing it right now, so uh-huh. I don't I don't know. But um, your little tribute to the verdict, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Sidney Sidney uh, Lumet. I mean, you read that book of his making movies, and it's just yeah amazing. Um, and I think that was a David Mamet uh, script too. You know, and uh-huh. I always respond to his stuff, not his oh, politics yeah. certainly, but his right. his uh, his writing is so just uh, just uh, forceful. Uh-huh. You know, and uh, I. I love his movies. They're so stiff and weird, but but yeah. uh, but I love them. Yeah, yeah. Heist. Heist is another one. That's one like I if I see it on cable, I can't um I can't not watch it. Yeah. And it's cuz Gene Hackman one. turns it into Gene Hackman takes his dialogue takes his lines and just he just owns them. Yeah, man, I miss Gene Hackman. Yeah, I do too. His wife um Rebecca Pigeon is terrible, the most wooden actress, and she's like got this yeah. major role in it. And you're like, so it's a, it's a, it's tricky. It's not a great movie, but it's uh-huh. like just one of those where I'll just, I'll watch it. I'll watch it every time I see it. She is kind of stiff, but for some reason she worked in State and Maine. I thought, I uh, liked, I liked her character. Yeah, you know, yeah. I I think uh, if you read his books on movies, his books sort of put the actor second. In a way that he's yeah. like, you don't. He's the star of the show a bit. Well, he's like, you don't, like, you don't pick up a book thoughtfully. Uh-huh. The actor just picks up the damn book. Right. The The direction is pick up the damn book. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, you don't pick it up thoughtfully. You don't yeah. pick it up wistfully. You don't pick it up with, uh, you know, with memories of your dead wife lingering. Uh-huh. He's like, just pick up the damn book. Yeah. Open the door. You read his scripts, and they're like, that's how the stage directions read. Yeah, when I I used to, I think all beginning screenwriters probably pepper it with way too much of that stuff. Sure. And as I wrote, I just stripped everything out. It's just sorted to that basic level where you don't need to tell an actor what they're thinking while they're right shaking the salt. Yeah, yeah, you know? true, true. But it's but I don't I find it very interesting that you've got. I think you got stiff performances throughout most of his movies, yeah. and Gene Hackman is the exception. He kind of comes in, and I can imagine him probably going, uh, "I can't, big boy, Gene Hackman." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think that's why I responded to it. Um, but whatever, whatever. I, I would have felt like a bozo picking heist for this thing, but oh, I don't think so. Well, really, yeah, yeah. you'd be surprised. Hodgman picked the Avengers, for God's sake. (laughs) Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. 
You know what I mean. The Hyundai Santa Fe becomes available early 2024. So get on it now before all the good camping sites are full. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bare Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen. And it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, Feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. All right, so we'll go ahead and get into Bottle Rocket. Uh... I did a little pre-set up here before we recorded, but 1996, uh, obviously Wes Anderson's first movie. Yeah. Uh, the Wilson Brothers' first movie. Yep. Um, written by Owen and Wes mm-hmm. uh, back when they were writing movies together. And I, I love all of Wes Anderson's movies, but I do think that I do think that since Owen quit writing with them, they've lost a little bit of heart. No doubt. Uh, and I think it's been a bit of a missing <laughs> element. Uh for me, I would totally agree with that. I I um I don't know. It's tricky. Everything I've ever done, you, I've worked in a partnership with somebody, and uh-huh. you, you hate you hate it when critics or when people ascribe um, something to one that isn't the other. It's I yeah. think it's far more nuanced like that, and in some ways, a partner is playing to another partner's strengths uh-huh. or what appeals to them. I mean, you. I mean, you probably find that in your podcast uh, with Josh, you know. I mean, yeah, I sure. think there's – so uh, there's some magic to a combination of two people. Um, and I thought, like, uh, Life Aquatic, that might have been the first one that he did without Owen Wilson on the so. byline. Yeah, I think And it so. was Noah Baumbach, who I'm like, I love everything that guy does yeah, too. Same here. Love it, uh-huh. and I'm sitting there going, "This is a dream team." Mm-hmm. And um, and I really like, hey, everything Wes Anderson does, I I love to a certain degree, but I don't think anything has really touched me like Bottle Rocket and like Rushmore. Yeah, um, Tannenbaum's for those me too. two, those first three. Up were to just a point uh, on Tannenbaum's, yeah. I think I lost the thread after a while, but um, and yeah, I think about it, and you were like, well. Uh, you know, Owen Wilson's probably knocking back ten million dollars to just show up at the call time. Yeah, you know, and it's hard work. It's hard to write a script. It's it hard. To, it's 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 some heavy heavy uh, road work, and and uh, you know, and and people get tired of each other, and you know, I mean, maybe that, that who who knows who knows why, right. but uh, but I completely agree with that. Yeah, I'd love to see them hook back up for a script. Yeah, I don't know if that'll ever happen, but um, what was your I remember my first experience with this movie was um, I have an older brother, three years older. And do you have an, any older siblings? Yeah, my my sister Elise is three years older. Was that an influence as far as feeding you culture, or were you kind of on your own? 
some in the teens, you know, with music, but I was kind of, I was seeking it out. Yeah. I was looking hard. Yeah. Everywhere for something different. Right. You know, so, um, you know. So uh, not as much. Like my brother was really. kind of, uh, kind of influential. Like he's the one that said, you got to, because when you're three years older, he's in college first. College is when you get, right. you know, your tastes really start to expand. Sure. So I was in high school and he was saying, you got to see this movie blue velvet and you gotta you gotta start watching conan o'brien and stuff mm -hmm. like that right and before that it was letterman right um but i remember he called me up and said bottle rocket he went go see it it's in at the i think it was at the terra in atlanta and he said just go and uh call me afterward and that was it and mm. uh, that that was how i was introduced to wes anderson's world yeah but um do you remember your first experience with the movie I I uh, I never do this, and I watched it twice in a week, and oh, it might have nice. been at the Terra as well. Uh -huh. But uh, I loved it so much that first time that I went, found a way to yeah go and watch it again. I don't ever do that. Yeah, like, I was raised almost not to do that. Yeah, like, my dad <laughs> my dad's a pilot. He's very efficient. He's like, you've seen it once. Why would you ever want to see it again? <laughs> right. You know, and and. Uh, and I, uh, but I just responded to it, you yeah. know, it's like I wanted to be those guys. So it was, I think it was more than just, um, more than just watching a movie and being touched by it, but uh -huh. you, you just resonated with you, those guys. Yeah, for sure. I think especially like dudes around our age, uh, growing up in sort of suburban areas, Yeah. uh, this was those dudes and, and watching it again this morning, I mean, I've seen it at least a dozen times mm -hmm. or more. Um, but watching it this morning, I was kind of struck by like Rushmore is sort of kids acting like adults. Uh, all those kids sort of doing these adult things. And I realized watching Bottle Rocket today is they were adults acting like kids acting like adults. <laughs> I had that same thing. I had that same, same thought. And I think that's, you see that in a lot of Wes Anderson stuff. Oh yeah, Pre precocious kids acting like adults and uh -huh. adults acting like children. Yeah, and uh, well, Bill Murray for sure. I mean, that's they were best friends in that movie. I mean, there's a whole scene in that where that's underlined, where he's like, uh, you know, the Anthony Luke Wilson character is saying, uh, is talking about his. Uh, younger sister saying uh -huh. like how did grace get so cynical <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know and 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 dignan the owen wilson character is like what has she ever done with her life man <laughs> Such a, one of my favorite lines in the movie <laughs> you know and she's so great and, and she said and i think grace earlier had told uh uh anthony like he said he was exhausted uh -huh. exhausted or i was in that place for exhaustion yeah. and she's like uh you it's like like what have you done to be tired yes yeah, like, you never <laughs> worked like a day that. in your life right right <laughs> yeah they, i mean they were definitely peers you know he was a peer of his little sister and you know that's exactly why you know they put such a younger sister in the movie was just sort to sort of level set everyone mm -hmm. and you get the idea too that these uh that dignan and uh and anthony and i guess bob too were they had been doing this stuff since they were 10 years old, probably playing crime and playing like they were thieve, master thieves. That's interesting. And uh, then they are still sort of playing crime when they're doing the crimes. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, 
Well, there's all sorts of stuff. I mean, they're you know they're playing they're playing pinball or you know you look at their notebook. I mean, that's a classic yeah. thing where <laughs> I actually when I watched it this weekend, I've, I've I had never done this, but I freeze framed the notebook. I did too this morning. It was so great. Some of the stuff in there I had not even taken uh, taken into consideration. I wrote some of those down. Did you write them down? <laughs> I wrote some of them down. Uh, Twenty five, and this is uh, for those of you listening. This is at the beginning of the movie. When uh, and it's a very became sort of a Wes Anderson thing. The lists mm-hmm. that he would make in his movies, the characters would make. Uh, uh, but it's the the five year plan, the ten year plan, then twenty five years, fifty years out. Uh, and some of them, some of my favorite bits from that were uh, at twenty five years when possible, meet people from foreign countries, find ways to develop properties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, of course. And then he resents it when uh, when he hooks up with Inez. Uh-huh. You know, and they mentioned yeah. <laughs> that la- they mentioned that later. Like, learn, learn a foreign language. I I didn't, and I feel like yeah. I paid a price. <laughs> uh, and the other one that killed me from the list was on the the final page, living into the twenty first century. Under consider alternatives, he has uh, college, higher degrees, and then honorary degrees. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Like that's something anyone can plan for is an honorary degree. The one I really responded to is now. You know, now that I have wife and kids, like, you know how much that is a part of your life, but it's almost an afterthought on the list. It uh-huh. just says, wife and family, very crucial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just blazes through talking about all the degrees they're going to earn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. And they quote Huey Long, like, life is about opportunities uh-huh. you make or something. But I also just, you think about that as, as a kid or you're starting in a creative field or you just don't know how to do it. And I'm sure that you responded to this when you were out in LA and working in an art department and going, how do I get to be the guy that sells the script? Right. And, you know, and sometimes you spend your time dicking off, you know, writing a notebook of Uh what the plan is. Right. Rather than actually (laughs) focusing on the plan. Yeah. I've definitely had lists in my life that the number one item was make list. Yeah. Just so I could cross it off. Right. Right. Uh, but I love how the tone in this movie was immediately set with that first um, first sequence when, uh, you know, Dignan can't just go pick up Anthony from the, the I guess it's some sort of mental hospital. Yeah. He has to pretend like he's busting him out. Right. And Anthony knows, like, he knows he has this friend that sort of special needs mm-hmm. and that I have to play along with this guy. Yeah. To the doctor, you know, and he he lets him do so. I think... I wonder if that was added after the fact. Did you ever see that black and white version of Bottle Rocket? And I know that they rewrote the beginning of the movie, so I, I'm not sure. how. I mean, it may have just started with the walk and talk before uh, they break into Anthony's house. It's very interesting, though, too. They add this little, this is stupid, but it always sticks out when Dignan pops out of the bush. They add this whoosh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this cartoonish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which doesn't seem as, co- as consistent with the rest of the Wes Anderson universe. No, not but, at all. But, I always uh, thought that was a little strange, too. Yeah, but it was, but it's great. It's great. Um, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I thought, I, I think some of the things that set the tone, too, are just, um, you know, you look at that, you look at that, uh, 13 minute version. Uh huh. And there are some scenes that are almost oh, yeah. intact, that whole scene with the gun. Uh-huh. But, you know, they just didn't quite figure it out. They're a few years younger, you know, the, yeah. both the characters. They weren't, it's not like they were darker, but they didn't have sort of that 
they were less vulnerable in the black and white thing. They didn't mm-hmm. have as much of the sweetness and the silliness. And in the ensuing years, they must have figured it out. Cause yeah. Owen Wilson is just pitch perfect in that oh, movie. Yeah. 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 Dignan is uh, just one of the great characters. Just a great name for a character. Yeah. I don't even know where they got that. <laughs> it's a friend, actually. Here, I have some trivia stuff in here. Might as well go ahead and lay into that one. That was, um, the DJ at the end of, uh, Rushmore at the, the post play dance was is Stephen Dignan, who was one of Wes Anderson's real friends. Oh, that's great. And that's where he got the name. Is that the guy with like the long braids? Or? Yeah. All right. Yeah, totally. Uh, and of course, uh, Kumar makes his first appearance in Bottle Rocket and his son in real life is the, the bookstore guy and also the math teacher from Rushmore. I, yep. All right. That's great. That's great. I lost the touch, man. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you lost the touch because you never had it in the first place. It's <laughs> good Owen Wilson. That's nice. Uh, but there's so many little moments that, um, like the, the Wes Anderson stuff is all there. People think like, and some people will even say like, oh, Rushmore is really his first movie. But that's not true at all. Like if you watch Bottle Rocket, all the hallmarks are there just on a sort of a little more indie feel level. Yeah. I, yeah, it's interesting. There's not as many, like, sort of centered, placed close-ups. Yeah. I mean, there's a little... And you even see, you go back with the black and white thing, it's even looser. Uh-huh. You know, he's... I guess he's still trying to figure it out. There's it a felt great, like a film school type of thing, you know? It's a great... Um, uh, is, uh, my my co-creator on your preface is going to hell, Chris Kelly, uh, told me this story where... James L. Brooks, who made Bottle Rocket happen, right. basically, and found the money and did it through Gracie Films, uh, had the Wes Anderson did this shot of a coffee cup and uh-huh. just centered it, yeah. you know, <laughs> centered it like a classic sort of Wes Anderson thing. And uh, apparently James Brooks saw the dailies and was like, there better be poison in that cup. <laughs> like like for, for it to, you know, like oh, for funny. you to do that uh-huh. to it. There was another one that there's a line uh, in the movie uh, that um, he did this master shot where this I guess this cowboy is prominently counting change. My friend was just telling me about this this morning, but uh, the master shot is like uh, James Brooks sees it and is like none of the stars are really Uh prominently figured in this frame. And he's just and he said. Why'd you do it, man? And they use that in the show in the movie. Oh, really? Why'd you do it, man? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I mean, he had confidence, you know. He like Polly Platt. They said it, she'd be like, "I want to see a cutaway of Dignan's point of view of the car gone in the parking lot," uh-huh. or "I want to," you know. And that's the classic director trick. Well, they can't cut it. They can't force you to cut it in if right. you don't shoot it. Yeah, there's that whole shot of Kumar going up in the elevator, and uh-huh. I'm sitting there going. He didn't get coverage for a reason. He wanted this. Yeah. He wanted to stay with Kumar in the elevator while uh, Dignan is running up the stairs in the background. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Yeah, it's a great shot. Um, yeah, I mean, all the all the hallmark, hallmarks are kind of there, but they're um, like you definitely got the sense that he didn't have the kind of dough to play with these the big grand sets and all the different insert shots of the close ups of the keys and the things. But there, it's peppered throughout. Like mm-hmm. it's it's sort of the. You get a sense of like the filmmaker he would become, yeah. With Rushmore, that stuff takes time. It takes money. I mean, they they did, uh, you know, the music. I mean, uh-huh. it's Mark Mothersbaugh, but 
throughout, but there's not a whole lot of, uh, you know, license, and that that stuff costs a lot of money. You know, and yeah. Rushmore, you had probably a little more to play with. And yeah, I think there were a couple of love tracks, and I always responded to that um, that Rolling Stones song at the end. <sighs> Such a great music cue. It is. Man. It is. It's from an album that's not. You know, I don't think is very good as a Stones album. And I'm a big Stones fan, but um, he probably got it on the cheap. I imagine. It's a more obscure song for sure. Possibly, and uh, uh, but I thought about it too in watching it, and you know, with Rushmore too. It's like, you know, he uses the music as it's just they're emotional and intuitive, and it has nothing. They're not so on the nose lyrically, right? I mean, he had O Yoko in uh, yeah Rushmore, and uh-huh. I mean, it's very had nothing to do with anything on screen. Yeah, and for me, as a Stones fan, it's shocking how little I knew about the kinks. Right. Like, he, like the whole Wes Anderson got me into just finding all those kinks out. Yeah. God, I love the kinks. Yeah. It's good stuff. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. The Hyundai Santa Fe becomes available early 2024. So get on it now before all the good camping sites are full. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bare Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen. And it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, Feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Oh, one of my favorite uh, little moments. Again, very Wes Anderson, and it says a lot about what's going on is when they break when they break into Anthony's house at the beginning, and they're rifling through everything. And you, at this point in the movie, you don't know that that's Anthony's house mm-hmm. until afterward, when mm-hmm. Owen Wilson drops that he had stole the mom's earrings. But uh, he leans down at the the toy soldiers, 
and there's one toy soldier that's askew that he turns and straightens. Yeah. And then, of course, later on, you, you're like, oh, well, that was that was his toy soldier collection when he was a kid. Yeah. And one of them was off, and he had to correct it. Yeah. But it was just a nice little character touch. Right. And just those little Wes Anderson moments that he puts in there. Uh, I don't know. They just enriched the whole thing, you know? It was interesting. You watch that black and white one, and it's like they shot in the same house. They shot uh-huh. – some of the shots are identical four years yeah. later. Yeah, I mean yeah. identical. Uh-huh. You know, and uh and then of course the conversation after like that was on the list of things that Dignan yeah. <laughs> does not touch. <laughs> yeah, and, and Dignan's reply is like, you know, everything everything valuable in the house was on that list, man. <laughs> yeah. I I think my my favorite certainly I think my favorite moment or is like and it just sort of spells it out is uh you know when they're they 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 stole the car, and then they're off off the side of the road. They can't start the car, uh-huh. and uh, Dignan finds out that Anthony gave uh, Inez, the housekeeper yeah. that he's fallen in love with, all the money. And he does he freaks out, and he's like, "You don't fall in love <laughs> with the help." And then he's like, "She's not the help, you know. Her, her name's Inez." And uh, he goes, "And I'm Dignan, man." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like I'm your friend, not uh-huh. this girl. And, you know, but but just just the way he said it and the way uh-huh. the line is, is like, yeah, that's, that's who he is. He can't get respect. And yeah. he and he's and he he's feels like he's getting betrayed. It's like, who's running this operation? It's like he's supposed to be, but he's not. And right. his friend is almost along with him just because because he's his friend and he'll do that's it, even exactly though it doesn't that. make him that comfortable. You yeah. Know? Yeah, and the end is so great too when um what you were just talking about like he Owen Wilson takes like he has to take the fall for these guys at the end when when the when the big uh, breaking scene let of, me let me have this. Yeah, you know, he wants this, it. Man. He, he wants, wants to be it. Well, cuz it validates him. Yeah. Like when he that shot when he's getting uh, beat down by the cops at the end. Oh. You see like he's almost satisfied with what's going on cuz he's finally like a real crook mm-hmm. and he goes yeah. to prison man and like no one can argue with him from now on like he did the time yeah. he got pinched he didn't rat out his friends yep 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 and uh so it, it like validated his whole like uh, i guess you call it career but his life choices up to that point yeah know? yeah and uh, it's really know, sweet well yeah it was and there, it was very interesting to me to i think i wonder if it if i responded to it also just on a personal level where it's mm-hmm. just like I was in my mid 20s when that movie hit you yeah. know I was just starting to work at Cartoon Network I was just starting to try to figure out what it is I was going to do with the rest of my life you know I was dating girls but hadn't really found the right one yet you you're just right you're stuck in the middle there mm-hmm. and um and so much of the media and everything was sort of Directing everyone towards this slacker vibe. I think they call. I, I looked at the cover of the DVD. It called it Reservoir Geeks. Yeah, <laughs> and I was just like, lazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also, it just wasn't. Um, it wasn't really a slacker movie. Like, there's no right. sort of, there's no sort of, uh, long, windy, slightly humorous, uh, pop culture breakdowns. It's uh-huh. like as soon as. Tarantino did that Royale with cheese. It's like every movie, yeah, had that obligatory thing. 
for sure. I think they had some little Starsky and Hutch little thing in the original that they didn't have, and yeah, I was the like, short. I'm so glad they didn't have it. You uh-huh. know, it was. I mean, they these guys wanted to do things. They had yeah. big dreams. You know, mm-hmm. they weren't just sort of lazy living at home. You know. Yeah, there was always a plan. You didn't see any parents. And no. You know that what's interesting is like now that I have worked in cartoons a lot is. On the kids' side of things, they they sometimes talk about how the uh, at least one development executive has told me, you know, the parents aren't important. Like kids want to feel uh, like uh, they have a, a hero, someone that uh-huh. they can, uh, someone that's self sufficient. That's the parents right. are not, um, and you find that with some kids' cartoons, and and yeah, the parents aren't in the picture, even though he rips off the. The earrings, you don't know yeah. really anything about where he came from. Or, well, and most you know. famously, Charlie Brown, of course. You know, they yeah. purposely obfuscated the parents. And yeah. it's probably no secret or uh, no uh, coincidence that uh, Wes Anderson uses a lot of the Charlie Brown music in his movies. Yeah. Yep, that's true. That's true. I think it's interesting, too. You know, you talk about kids wanting to be adults and adults wanting to be kids. And, yeah. I mean, those guys probably are that. You know, they probably were that. They were all living together and... Hollywood, you know. Oh, yeah. There was a, I mean, Jim Brooks had theorized that they were stretching out the rewrite process so they could live on their per diem. Right. (laughs) That Owen Wilson was living out of that office. Uh Uh-huh. And then you think about Wes Anderson, you know, as a teenager with a notebook, a spiral-bound notebook full of Pauline Kael. Yeah. articles (laughs) articles (laughs) And you're just like, isn't he Max? I mean, that's Max Fisher, isn't it, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's just, it's just, they just tapped into a, a voice that I just really responded to, you know. Yeah, same here. And um, we got to talk about James Conn for a second. He's he's introduced as Mr. Henry, and after a lot of talk and build up in the third act, he doesn't appear till the third act. And that third act is so great. Once it's almost like two movies, you know. There's that whole mm-hmm. first bit, and then the the last act is the um, Mr. Henry's introduced and the 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 planning of the. Like he's the big crime boss, right? Who was really the head of a, a lawn mowing uh, service? Right. But uh, you do get the sense that he's a legit guy. Like one of the great moments of the movie is when he stands down Future Man, uh, Andrew Wilson in the Country Club, John Maplethorpe. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There's a little victorious moment for the, that group of misfits, those weirdos, when James Caan, you know, twists his arm up. And then they finally have their moment to sort of laugh at the bully together. Well, Bob Maplethorpe, like he's talking to the waiter. Uh, I think his name is Jackson, right? And yeah, yeah. You can see that you can see in their conversation that Bob's been going to that country club for twenty years, getting oh, yeah. grilled cheese with the crust <laughs> <Yeah>. cut off. <laughs> and then as soon as Jackson sees Future Man walking up, he's like, "I'll see you, Bob." Yeah, <laughs> he zips out of there, uh-huh. and then you know, uh, and. And John and uh, uh, Future Man, yeah, yeah, he stands up. He stands up for for him. But I, I love that Future Man character. They don't yeah. say why his name's Future I Man. Know, so random. It, it's but it's like you think about it, like going to going to college in the South, and you saw these. You saw there are plenty of Future Mans with their uh-huh. mirrored DEA shades yep. and their duckhead uh, slacks. For and, sure, man. And uh, what the fuck is this? Yeah, like pulling up one leaf. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or like you look like a little banana. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know? that, yeah, that's one of my favorite scenes when 
first of all, the the Honda Trail 70 or whatever, when that pulls up on the scene, I don't know if you remember that mini bike or had a friend that had one of those. Oh, yeah, yeah. But just such an iconic, like, 70s, 80s mini bike. Yeah. And Owen Wilson pulls up in that jumpsuit, and then the, the two guys making fun of him, uh, Future Man and his little crony pal. Yeah, he <laughs> looked like a little banana. And again, it's like, it's they were in their 20s, but they might as well have been 12 years old. Yeah. And Future Man 17. Yes. And uh, Owen, one of the great lines is uh, after he pulls in and Owen Wilson is clearly wounded. And he goes, I'm not as always confident as I look <laughs> to Anthony <laughs> wearing that yellow jumpsuit. It's just hysterical, you know? Yeah. Anthony's like, I'll, uh, you know, you got to get me one of those jumpsuits. It's like he doesn't care, but yeah. he knows it. He knows Dignan loves it. Uh, He's uh, such a good friend to him. <laughs> well, the other thing I liked was, um, well, well, the great love story with Inez was just really sweet and touching. But um, that actress, she's a, you know apparently big in uh, in like Mexican cinema and stuff. But I haven't seen her in a lot of stuff at all aside from this. So Inez sort of exists in this movie to me as a real person yeah. in a way, yeah. Because they didn't cast I don't know who would have been you know right the Latino actress from back then, but right you know she was unknown and she was just had such a sweet face and. Their relationship—it's all—it's all that childlike stuff. Yeah. In the Wes Anderson movies, I mean, they hint that they, you know, made love, you know, when they ran into the hotel room. But I think as far as it got was like he unbuttoned the top of her shirt and then they threw the sheets over themselves. Yeah, it was very innocent. Like it wouldn't have been, like if you, what if Anthony pulled up a sleeve and you'd have seen like some some like yeah. killing <laughs> some <laughs> attempt at his life or something. I was like, oh, it had taken on a completely different flavor. Yeah. It was just exhaustion, you know. Uh, and of course, at the end, they they pull off the heist, but uh, they were um, duped the whole time by Mister Henry, right? Who um who was ripping off Bob's house, and even at the very end, when um they go to visit uh, Dignan in prison, and Dignan learns that that was all sort of a ruse, he's still a little bit naive. Like, do you think, like, do you think Applejack was in on this? Do you think this was part of <laughs> like? Of course, it was the whole plan the whole time. Yeah, and he very sweetly. When he gives him the belt buckles, say, you know, I made some for Applejack and the guys, but forget that. But then he's like, well, you know what? Just go ahead and give it. Give him those belt buckles. So say, Tell those guys hi. <laughs> it's just really sweet. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we like to finish up with uh, two short segments, uh, one called What Ebert Said. This movie is a complete disappointment. He only gave this one two stars. Really? Yeah, which was sort of disappointing. He said, uh, Bottle Rocket is entertaining if you understand exactly what it is. If you see it as a film made by friends out of the materials presented by their lives and with the freedom not to push too hard, it's the kind of film, in fact, that a festival like Sundance is ideal for. An audience that knows about the realities of low-budget independent filmmaking will probably find a lot of qualities here that might elude wider audiences. I can't recommend the film. It's too unwound and indulgent, but I have a certain affection for it. And I'm looking forward to whatever Anderson and the Wilsons do next. You know, it was it was indulgent, but I I would I would gladly indulge it. You know, it's like yeah. I we're about the same age, and I think we both had sort of the same aspirations. You know, I grew up uh-huh. wanting to make movies, and you sort of in your in the early '90s or late '80s, you become aware of all these people. Making movies on a budget, you yeah. hear the story about El Mariachi oh, and yeah. uh, the making of that, or you see like a Brothers McMullen where the parents, uh, you know, did the craft service and shot uh-huh. at his house. Uh, but 
you know, ultimately, ultimately I didn't like really respond to either one of those movies and, yeah. you know, and, and, um, there's an old David Spade, uh, joke where he said, you know, am I supposed to care that this movie costs $5,000 to make? Are you going to charge me 20 cents to see it? Right. <laughs> yeah. Like it's really good for, for $5,000. Yeah. Like I felt like this was a, was a movie like yeah. it worked and granted i mean they had a budget but it, you just they just had a voice the dialogue had a rhythm you know mm-hmm. it was it was a real i don't know it was a there's nothing else that just connected to me quite like that yeah at the time yeah i mean it's the it's the launching of a great career but it wasn't like uh i don't feel like oh well i'll give bottle rocket a pass because it was just the okay first movie. Like it was a great movie. I I don't, and I'm not gonna do like a I, like I couldn't do a generational think piece. I don't know if it's something that maybe would speak to someone like you or me that it wouldn't necessarily initially speak to someone like you know Roger Ebert. But, right. Well, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> I think that probably has something to do with it. Yeah. Uh, and then we finish Dave with five questions. Okay. What's the first movie you remember seeing in the theater? Um, I think I saw, well, I think I saw Jaws at the drive-in with my parents. Ooh, good one. Um, and I remember being uh, told to crawl into the back seat of uh-huh. the sedan whenever, like, the water was getting particularly chummed with blood. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but I do, I vividly remember... Um, Seeing Star Wars with my parents. Yeah. And I think it was, I remembered seeing the ads and thinking that was interesting. Mm-hmm. You'd see like this, the big yellow Star Wars letters and then you'd see an explosion. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but we went at the behest of my parents. So it must have been something that was already happening because I remember standing in a massive line. Yeah. Uh, in the parking lot of what I want to say was maybe a theater in Toco Hills. I don't know. Well, yeah, there used to be that one theater there. We were going to eat dinner, Italian dinner, uh-huh. and uh, my dad ended up bringing lasagna out to the line in the parking lot. <laughs> Man, what a great and, memory. And after I saw that movie, the thing I couldn't stop drawing was the little one-eyed snake in the in a trash compactor uh-huh. scene. That yeah. scene was the one that I kept trying to draw on my notebook. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's the one. I remember seeing Star Wars for the first time too. So good. Yeah. Um, first R-rated movie that you saw. That's a tough one. Um, I had a friend whose who, his parents were divorced, so he was getting turned on to all this rated R stuff. <laughs> yeah. Early. Yeah. Too early. Yeah. <laughs> like he'd come in and he's like, he would give me the blow by blow of Caddyshack. Right. Like, and then there was a candy bar in the water and they called it duty. Uh-huh. And then this girl took her <laughs> shirt off, you know, and I was like, but you can't even fathom. And you got, I was like, and you got to see this with your dad. And like, <laughs> right. No, nah, he left, but, right. <laughs> but yeah. he, he walked us in. But, uh, I remembered seeing a, a, it's probably rated R. The ratings are all over the map, but, uh, Depending on, you know, the year, the decade yeah, or whatever. Sure. But there was a movie called French Postcards, <laughs> which was about a, uh, a, a, a college age guy just basically going to Europe to get laid. Uh-huh. And, uh, 
Uh, I just remember being told there was a sex scene mm-hmm. with this busty French lass. Yeah, yeah. And I, I am watching French postcards in the basement. Uh, my sister is there. There's a couple other kids in the neighborhood. <laughs> and then the scene happens, and we turn around, and my mom is there. Oh, my God. And she shuts it off uh-huh. and gives us a speech. Mm-hmm. And... She'll never hear this, but she was like, the first time I heard the word fuck, <laughs> I was 27 years old or something, something like that. And we had obviously never heard her say that. Oh, yeah. So I was shocking. Blood just runs cold, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> like, oh, my God, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, but, yeah, I had to be French postcards. That's hysterical. Yeah. And no, I didn't get to finish it. Yeah. You know, so you should one day. I yeah, it'd be worth it. We worth worth it to find that. I, you know, you get little snippets of American Werewolf in London. Uh-huh. You see the guy's hands grow, and you're yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to see more of that. Uh-huh. Why can't I see that? Yeah, there was. I remember there was just a whole run of those, um, just sort of teenage sex movies mm-hmm. uh, at the time. Like Porky's, obviously, is the big one. American Virgin or uh, last last American, last American Virgin. Virgin. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That was one where. Um, I found my way to uh-huh. seeing that. And I remember there was the one with uh, Joan Collins. It seemed like it always involved a, a teenage guy and some, you know, sexy older lady. Yeah. So there was yeah. one with Joan Collins. I can't remember the name of that one. Oh, sure. Private Lessons was one. There you go. There was, uh, there was one a little bit later. It was uh, with the guy from Grey's Anatomy, Pizza Boy or oh, yeah, Paper yeah. Boy or uh-huh. something. Uh, I just saw that on cable and watched like 10 minutes of it. And I was like, I can't believe how poorly yeah. made this is. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, like everyone must have been on Coke yeah. in the 80s. And <laughs> like no one, like there's not one good or funny moment in it. Yeah. Vic Tabak is in it. Oh, wow. It's, it's terrible. It is, but not terrible in a watchable way. Uh-huh. Like, but I gave it 10 minutes. That's pretty funny. All right. Uh, number three, will you walk out of a bad movie? And do you remember doing that? Yes, twice. Okay. Um, uh, once was American Pie because I was told that that was funny and a callback to those type of movies. Uh-huh. And I thought that was terrible. And yeah. I felt like I must be a Martian because uh-huh. everyone is loving this and yeah. I hate it. And uh, I'm trying to think if I was dating my wife I think we might have been time. a little too old for that one. But it, but it was, like, but yeah. it was terrible. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's bad. It was bad. There was nothing that I walked out and went, I wasn't going to walk out, but I walked to, to, uh, Eyes Wide Shut, which is oh. playing over. And then I was like, oh, cool. You know, which is the, I think science has proven it's that the opposite of American Pie. <laughs> it's exactly. But <laughs> the, the other opposite. one, the, the, the one I love is, uh, I went, I liked, uh, Pitch Black. And so I went to see the sequel, uh-huh. the the first sequel, The Chronicles of Riddick, right. which is Vin Diesel uh-huh. just running around in the ice, being <laughs> yeah. chased by like some I don't know some squid creature or some shit. And uh, you know, Vin Diesel's like, wah, wah, you know, <laughs> like yeah. his. And uh, uh, what's her what's her name? Who is it? Thandie Newton's in it. She plays like some Martian princess or something. Uh-huh. And. Uh, she says, I can't remember what she says. Riddick, oh, Riddick is, uh, will come for us. I, I don't remember, but the, someone says, hold your tongue, hold your tongue, Dame Vanga. And as soon as that line was delivered, I remembered looking at, 
I believe Lisa, my wife, was with me at the time. I, I believe looking at her going, do you like this? Are you liking this? <laughs> yeah. And uh, she's like, no, no, <laughs> not. we should leave. So we, we get up to leave, and uh, I remember this guy on the aisle, like I was like, excuse me, excuse me. And he gave me a look like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> Riddick is trapped in the ice, and you're walking out? <laughs> yeah. Can you hold it? Uh-huh. You can't hold <laughs> you're like, no, sir, I have my coat. Uh, yeah, and I ended up watching uh, whatever that Step for Wives remake was. Right, uh, went into that one. Standing in the aisle with my coat at the exit for an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> watching that with the least interest possible. I think that's generally the accepted practice is if you walk out of a bad movie, then goddammit, somebody owes you. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you go to another movie right away. Yeah. Uh, do you have any guilty pleasure movies that you can name? A lot of people don't. I'm not above I'm not above watching something uh terrible over something mediocre. Okay. Um certainly it's so rare for me to even watch him like to lock down like a nice hour like 2 hours of time to watch yeah something just cuz we got kids and well, life and it's just hard to I mean I've got this copy of I think it's called Yee uh it's a very acclaimed movie but I've had it from Netflix for literally six months. Uh-huh. I mean, I could have bought a whole bunch of Yee's for what. Um, so I will occasionally, and I am always on the quest for a, a dopey, simple comedy. But there just aren't that many out there. Most yeah. comedies are just not that funny. Right. Or they're two hours and 20 minutes long. Yeah. I never feel guilty about anything I watch. I don't even watch enough. Yeah. To, to ever feel guilty about it, but um, I would love to find an hour and a half long, just light, breezy aperitif of a movie uh-huh. and have it not be, have them not make a meal out of it. it no movie needs to be two and a half hours long, no, most certainly not comedy. a comedy. Yeah. And, uh, and they're just, they're hard to find, you yeah. know? I think that's maybe why Super Bad resonated with a lot of people. This was just like a, it's a fun movie. I saw a little bit of the other night. Fun, yeah. fun, breezy. You know, you need those. Uh-huh. Every kid goes through this sexual awakening. Hey, a sex comedy's not bad if it's clever. Yeah. You know. Uh, so, I, I I don't know. I I I got nothing there, but I'll tell you, I will. I am always on the quest for it. Yeah. I just can't. Um, I just can't lock in for three hour. You know, whatever. You know what? I'm going to recommend something to you then real quick. It's called The Lovers. Did mm-hmm. you see that? No. It is not a comedy like a, you know, laugh every second comedy. It's a small little indie, but it's like 94 minutes long. Huh. And it's got uh, Deborah Winger, sort of the return of Deborah Winger and Tracy Letts. Huh. Playing a couple who uh, are married and both cheating uh, on each other with different people. Interesting. And their son comes home for a weekend. It, it feels very much like a stage play. I was convinced it was, yeah. but it wasn't. Yeah. But uh, watch The Lovers. I think you'll All right. I think you'll I'll that. do it. Very kind of fun, light, sweet movie. All right, and finally, Dave Willis, uh, Movie Going 101. What is your, uh, when you would get out to the movies, I know mean, you probably don't as much anymore, but what was your sort of routine? Did you sit in the same place? Do you get the same snacks? Do you... Find that most people generally kind of I'm not, don't willy nilly go to the movies. I'm not really. I when we do go to the movies, I do try to get there for the trailers. Like I'm not to uh, like for 
as as late as I've been to so many meetings and important things in my life, <laughs> <Yeah>. it's <laughs> a little absurd that I would insist on seeing the ads beforehand, uh-huh. even when they're available on the internet. Uh, uh, there's no, there's certainly no uh, ritual. My wife likes those padded uh, VIP seats, but they only have those for like the mega movies. Uh, right. But what happened to Jordan Almonds? They're gone. Oh, are they? I can't find them anywhere, and that is my go-to. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah, I'll get loose. I'll have a couple of beers. That's a nice development, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I the mean, a couple IPAs, uh-huh. love it. Yeah. Love that development. Um, <laughs> you know, because, I mean, one time I remember just sneaking a whole six-pack into that MST3K uh, oh, movie. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a great movie, but... It, you had to cough every time Made you made it better. A beer, yeah, that'll yeah. deal. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I remember dropping a bottle or two in my day too, which is easily like the loudest thing that can happen. In right, a movie right, 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 right. Rolls down the aisle. Yeah. No, I don't have anything sort of. I'm, I'm not too ritualistic about it, but uh, you know, I don't. I just uh, obviously I don't want to sit on the front row. But I mean, like we went. The last movie I went to see was It, and we uh-huh. had to leave because our kids were fighting it, but fighting at home right we had to leave in the middle of it oh because you, you can leave them home now well we that we no we can't chuck <laughs> <laughs> it proves it gotcha <laughs> like yeah we're gonna give it another year uh-huh. we're gonna try it was an experiment <laughs> failed that's pretty good yeah all right thanks a lot dave yeah this is thanks, great thanks for having me Well, that was just wonderful. Uh, Dave is such a good guy, and he's so funny and insightful. And I love that we have this shared love of Bottle Rocket. Um, it's always cool when the movie that someone picks, and so far that's kind of been the case, is a movie that I also love. I'm still waiting for one that I hate because I want to see how that goes. But uh, it was very nice of Dave to come on over from uh, his Cartoon Network studio just about oh, about 10 minutes away. And we we had a great conversation. That was a lot of fun. Uh, you can support Dave, of course, by watching Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell or Squidbillies, which is still on the air and, and running strong. Uh, I think I might even have a small voice part coming up this season on Squidbillies. We'll see. But I did read for it, although not very well. Uh, but we we shall see about that. But thanks to Dave for coming in. And thanks you for listening in. And until next time, for God's sakes, put your shoes on. You do not take your shoes off in a movie theater. Movie Crush is produced, edited, engineered, and scored by Noel Brown from our podcast studio at Pond City Market, Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. 
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done.